Hello and welcome to Minigame, a podcast about video game stories and why we love them. I'm Michael Ferris. Back at the end of the 19th century, workers of the Pullman Palace Car Company lived in Pullman, Illinois. The company provided many amenities to its citizens slash workers, such as indoor plumbing, utilities, trash disposal, stable pay, and a place to live. Not a bad life if you worked for the company. However, this safety net had some strings attached. You could only rent your home from the company, so much of the pay you received from the company would just go right back to them. Now, since your home was owned by the company, your home would be also subject for inspection at any time. Even something as small as the choice of books that the local library would stock was up to the decisions of the company. Pullman, Illinois was a classic example of a company town, a town in which daily life was dictated by your employer. With the turn of the 20th century, travel became cheaper and industry became more globalized, so the need for the company town became less and less over time as workers had a little bit more power to work for whomever they want and travel wherever they need to go. Economic safety nets created by the New Deal over the 1930s and 40s put a nail into the coffin for the concept. The Other Worlds, developed by Obsidian Entertainment, envisions a world in which the company town not only continued throughout the space age, but thrived, and company towns turned into company plants, and thus a hyper-capitalist nightmarish hellscape emerged. While the environments in the game are filled with dangerous creatures and bandits, it's the economic systems themselves that are your biggest enemies, and fighting it is not as simple as black and white, good and evil. Your first interaction with an NPC in the game is a perfect encapsulation of this society. You come across an injured guard in the wilderness and naturally want to help. Instead of being grateful, the guard is more worried about violating company protocol by accepting medical help from an outsider than, you know, dying. You come across the guard's boss, and if you let slip that you assisted the guard, she reprimands both you and the guard. You later head into the town of Edgewater, a company town that is the primary source of canned food for the surrounding planets. Here you get to see how this kind of society wears down its citizens and often dehumanizes them. Workers who get sick are quarantined and shunned. Debts, both material and immaterial, are inherited by friends and family when a debtor dies. Even people's grave sites are not only planned in advance, but people have to pay rent for their eventual eternal slumber. There's even a side quest in which you have to shake down people for their past due rents for their graves. It's a pretty morbid stuff. Now, this is obviously a pretty bad place, and your impulse would be to take this city down. But at what cost? Despite some familiar elements of apocalypse stories, such as the Fallout and Metro series, the world of the Outer Worlds is not broken or nomadic. 
If anything, the world is a brutally efficient machine, and any break in that machine can have far-reaching consequences. Similar to the real-world company towns, if a company goes down, so does the town. People lose their incomes, safety nets, health care, and their homes. One of the first main quests in the game really messed with me. The mayor of Edgewater informs you that several of their employees have left the town and formed their own little community. The mayor suggests cutting off the community's power in order to force the workers back into the town. However, you go to the new community and it's a relatively peaceful place. And they suggest that you cut the power to the city and the company instead and give that power to this community. The leader of this community seems mostly disinterested in the potential consequences of a food shortage. And unless I miss something throughout my playthrough, there is no middle ground. You have to either turn these people into indentured servants to the big company in town or risk a potential food shortage throughout the system. I ended up choosing to cut the power to the city because I figured since the company had a death grip on the town, a problem as simple as a power outage can be easily rectified for them. Many of your decisions in the outer worlds play out like this. You do have choices, but you feel more like a cog in a machine rather than a great liberator or hero. In a lot of ways, you become the most respected errand runner in the galaxy, all the while trying to undermine oppressive systems one step at a time. While the universe of the Outer Worlds is oppressive and kind of depressing, what you actually do in the game is actually a little inspiring. It shows that a series of small steps end up causing massive change in the world. While a company town is mostly a rarity in the world, we are still very dependent on employment to provide for us. And the only way we can change this is by working together, making millions of small changes, and that we can collectively make our own safety net for each other. Thank you very much for listening. Executive producer of the Lore Party Podcast Network is Abu Zafar. Minigame is written and produced by Michael Ferris. Original music for Minigame is produced by Lawrence Kelly. Follow Lore Party on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. And check out our website at loreparty.com. Subscribe to Minigame in your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me grow the show. Thank you very much for listening.